aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we're here to fix your lives. That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. True. Hey. Hey. What's going on? It's sweaty and humid. It's really hot in here. Yeah. Well, it's hot like in the world, yes. in, in the New York part of the world. Yes. The city is super gross in the summer. I think we can all agree. Mm-hmm. Today, the humidity, I have a few weather apps. I don't know if you know this about me. I'm really into weather. I did not know. I know you're into weather, but I didn't know you had several apps. A lot I of apps. you like tried and true one, but oh no, tell me. A lot of apps. Uh, the humidity today when I checked this morning was 93%. What? Which is bullshit. <sighs> yeah. So that's uh, how I'm living. Yeah, and we have to keep the AC off because the sound carries and uh, yeah. So things are going to get real swampy. Real swampy, real quick. Uh, uh, so yeah, thanks for listening. You can tweet at us at StrugglebusPod, email us at StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. We're on Instagram crushing it. We are. Crushing it, I'm not yeah. going to lie. Instagram.com slash the struggle bus pod, uh, website strugglebuspodcast.com, or tweet at Sally T or me at SPK Heller. And to get in our super secret private Facebook support group, Struggle Buddies, be sure to email us with in the subject line, I'd like to join the group and give us the email that you use to log into Facebook. Don't Facebook message us because we don't get them sometimes. It's weird. Um, and then we'll add you to the group. And if it doesn't work, we, you know, let us know. We will get you in it's a very nice support group and they are doing a great job oh my goodness it's pretty awesome the string of uh baby photos baby uh, yeah that was so we all put up some baby photos and we're 182 members strong right now which is pretty exciting i could have done a spit take i just took a sip of water and i was like oh but the microphones are so expensive but wow that would have been awesome um yeah 182 let's hit 200 join the group you guys yeah do and also if you have a time-sensitive struggle and you're writing into us, um, note that in the subject line yeah. of your email. Yeah. Um, because we will try to, mm-hmm. you know, accommodate. Yeah. Um, do, I mean, if you have something that needs to be answered within like 24 to 48 hours, <laughs> probably ask someone else in your life. But um, you'll you'll note when we get to our first email that this person wanted advice for the weekend that just passed. Um, but if I had read it thoroughly or at all in advance, I would have seen that and we could have worked it in earlier. So just, you know, let us know. You can say time sensitive in the subject. Yeah. And we'll try to work it in. Great. And you are down iTunes review in our Google Doc. Is there a new iTunes review? Oh, no. It's just always in there. Great. And I just keep <laughs> skipping it. Cool. So leave us a review on iTunes. Give us five stars and write some nice things, please. Yeah. All right. So cool. uh, yeah, well, let's uh, get right into it. How was your weekend? Let's get to our opening jibber-jabber. Yeah, the opening jibber-jabber. <laughs> so, um, well, I was just going to talk about the I'm sorry to use the phrase comfort zone, but I mean, I'm going to talk about the idea of comfort zones and doing things that are like not he like super duper hugely outside them, but like a a tippy toe outside them. Because I was thinking um I'm someone who has a lot of like you you might know this about me, Catherine, <laughs> slash listeners. I have a lot of fears and worries and concerns about all things. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I'm fearful of like trying new things or things that are outside of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And my comfort zone is like very small. It's like, you know, it's rigid. It's small. There aren't a lot of things in it. And when you think about going outside your comfort zone, I feel like the thing you think about is like skydiving or like go like uh, trying like improv or something, which seems equally terrifying mm-hmm. as skydiving to me. Um, but 
no, you don't really think about, or at least I never had, like doing something that's like a little outside your comfort zone. Uh-huh. So it's like you basically feel fine underneath, but you are challenging yourself. Mm-hmm. So I was just thinking about this because I a couple weeks ago when I was on vacation, my girlfriend and I drove up the Pacific coast from LA to San Francisco. And have you ever done that? Um, yes, once, once. So, yeah. so you know how it's like windy. It's really windy. Oh yeah. And yeah. like you, the end of like our country is like a few meters to your left when you're going like from South to North. Yeah. And it's like, there's there's a guardrail, I guess, sometimes, but it's basically just like cliffs in the ocean. You just got to hope it's, that your you driver got, is you a got, good driver. Yeah. Or really. like me, like refuse to relinquish the steering wheel for like two full days of driving. Wow. I was like, I got this because wow. I couldn't Wait, be a passenger. You drove through it? Well, yeah, we drove like it was like it's not like that. It's probably like six hours of driving total, maybe if that. And we broke it up into two days so we could like stop along the way. Um, and I was like pretty freaked out. I mean, it's really windy. It's really steep. And um, – I personally think the speed limit should be a cool 25 miles yeah, per hour lower. Yeah. But um, but I was just thinking about how like, you know, I was doing it and it was definitely – I was tense mm-hmm. and I was a little scared. But I wasn't like freaking the fuck out. Right. Which I would be if I had to like jump out of an airplane or mm-hmm. something. Like way too far out of my comfort zone. <laughs> no. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't get on the plane, period. Right. Let getting on the plane. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So I don't know. I was just thinking about – how that felt I mean it was like it's very beautiful the scenery is amazing mm-hmm. and I also felt like I had accomplished something because it was this I, I I don't know I as I'm saying this I'm like did I accomplish something but I think I did because I got through it next time I do it I'll try to let someone other than me drive but mm-hmm. like that's for the future yeah. so I don't know like I was just kind of thinking about how rewarding it can be to like push yourself a tiny bit like every push doesn't have to be like a huge push you know mm-hmm. yeah I don't yeah know. no so. I, I do the same thing and and no joke like they seem silly right to anyone else it's right like, right we went fishing this weekend for a second and I don't like fishing because uh I don't like hooks and stuff and it reminds me of my dad both right not just hooks right that, that's normal okay <laughs> um it is the dad thing ultimately I didn't realize that and I found myself terrified of the hooks catching me when they do the cast yeah but that's yeah. happened that's yeah, a real thing I've seen it happen legitimately scary thank you and then I was like you know what you're on this boat just breathe through it you know just you'll be fine and I was but I was like this is one of those moments where I could probably panic and start yeah. crying a lot so I was pretty proud of myself for that's that. awesome yeah. I think that's an example exactly cool yeah more more dad stuff to talk about in therapy <laughs> love it more material yes so uh what about you Jeez, you guys I had a great week but um First of all, your response to our last episode was amazing. Oh, yeah. It was I wonderful. To, yeah. Wait. Okay. Can I just say something that really yes. quick? you brought up? I totally meant to say that. Um, you guys, you, what you, your response to that episode, I'm just repeating what Catherine said, word for word, was amazing. Um, that people said stuff to me and to both of us in the Facebook group. Um, people tweeted at us. And that episode was like the beginning part of it was really difficult to to do and I usually don't like to talk about things on the podcast that I don't feel like I've like processed mm. or I'm still like experiencing because I don't really like hearing other people do that like I sort of I want it I want to be like can you like work that out and then reflect on it instead of like draw me into your um undealt with process mm. so I was like not really sure I wanted to do it but I did and I felt like it was important and I really trust like the space that we have and the space that we have with people who listen. So I was like, let me just do this. And you guys were so awesome about it. Like 
no one, not only did no one like say anything like mean or whatever, um, everyone was like so complimentary and mm-hmm. said it like really helped you out and that you really related to some of the stuff that we were talking about. So anyway, thank you for being amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, on that note, speaking of Sally and how great she is, Sally's girlfriend is on Tell the Bartender this week. So definitely check that yeah, out listen. too. That story is awesome. She has the best radio voice. She has the best radio voice. Well, I mean, Ty, because you guys both have the best radio voices. Well, I guess. They're both amazing. You should you should start a podcast where you guys just like talk people to sleep. Yes. You we'll know? read like really boring material. Soothing tones. Like whatever they say at the uh, the filibusters and whatnot. We'll read an entire filibuster. Oh, an entire 34-hour filibuster. I would love we'll to that. sleep to that. All right. Cool. Well, yeah. I had a situation this week where um, – uh, I don't normally like this or would get engaged in it, but a friend of mine, we explained to a friend of ours what mansplaining is, you know? Go on. And uh, this guy started mansplaining on her Facebook page because she posted an article about something with abortion rights. And he goes, well, let me ask you this. And I'm like, oh, this mm. is definitely not going to end well. Whenever yeah. someone says, well, hypothetically, and then totally, totally different topic about women who are pregnant who drink during their pregnancy, should they be uh, arrested? Mm. And she had a really nice answer. She goes, oh, that's a great question. There's a lot of, lot of issues at stake here, the nuanced conversation, but, you know, whatever. And shocking, shockingly, he just starts to explain to her how he understands abortion better because his girlfriend had one once, you know. Mm. So after he went on this tirade, she uh, she tagged me and my friend Jim, who we explained to mansplaining was, and she's like, yeah, Catherine, Jim, see what I'm talking about? And I was like, yeah, take notes, Jim. That's all he said. <laughs> and the guy did not like that. And then – um. I said something like, yeah, it checks all the boxes. Uh, sounds about right. You know, and he's like, well, if you're going to get into this discussion, Catherine Heller, and like wrote a big thing against me about what a terrorist I was. He used the words trigger warning, literary rapist. He goes, put oh words God. in my mouth like a literary rapist. Oh, my and God. That's I wanna... not even conceptually like coherent. No. And I want to talk about that. So I got really not upset because he was so upset. And then my friend Jim jumped in. And of course, he was really nice to Jim, but he still went off for, you know, pages and pages, whatever. And it was fine. I felt pretty good about it. And, you know, she was a little upset that she brought us into it. And I was like, it's fine. But if you're going to use, I don't care what you do, but can you be careful how you speak sometimes? Yeah. Because some words that you think it's okay to use, even if you want to explain something, like just be careful because... You know, he shouldn't be doing it anyway, but I, I started thinking about all the times I've censored myself because I'm scared of getting that back, mm-hmm. whether or not I'm going to get it back. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And how that silences us in the end by terrifying us to a point where, you know, we hear this every day from horrible people. And then Trump's, you know, running for president every day, every day on Twitter. And it does affect the psyche and confidence of women and no, their totally. voice. Yeah. And so I kind of wanted to say he can go fuck himself. But I was like, Really? really with this um so yeah don't be a mansplainer but definitely don't use those words yeah literary rapist is just you know i don't really think you never need to compare something to rape ever you can just you can talk about rape in a respectful sensitive way but otherwise like just like how is it like serving your point it's just making you the more aggressive dominant person in a conversation yeah, so I just started thinking about that and about how many times I have felt silenced because no one's going to take it seriously. And I think that's not fair. And I'm like, you know, we really need to look into what is causing this mm. this uh, response from people who think they can talk down to people like that. So, Ugh, yeah. That's gross. Yeah, it I'm always gets weird. Happened. Yeah. Anyway, I guess I was a little bit more upset than I thought I'd be about that. So there's that. It's upsetting. Yeah. For I, sure. I feel good now. But, yeah, spread love. Sally. Yes. <laughs> a thing okay, we did. Okay, a thing we did. Oh, Yes. 
oh, you know what? I thought you were going to talk about something else in the opening jibber jabber. So that's why I added that article. Oh, yeah. I cha- We can talk about that. Real quick. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. I read this awesome – Sally read it as well. This yeah. awesome piece called On Gaslighting by Nora Samaran. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. You can find it on www.norasamaran.com. And if you've ever thought you've been gaslit, if you know what that means, if you don't, it's um it's based on a play that turned to a movie about a husband who was trying to slowly drive his wife insane. I forget why, like money or something. Yeah. So he would turn the gaslight up and down from the attic and make her think she was going crazy. Mm-hmm. And she did. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> so that's what's called gaslighting in relationships. And it really, really looked at all the aspects of people who do it in relationships, friendships. I mean, I honestly felt she was talking about me and anyone I've ever dated or befriended. Yeah. It went there. And it talked about like uh, women can gaslight each other, but why it's different when men do it. It was really, really interesting. Yeah, it was really thorough and really a really interesting like kind of exploration of the idea of gaslighting, both like on a level that is just sort of, I think, what we would consider like casual and incidental in relationships. And then all the way to the point of like when it is emotional abuse. Yes. And and like what it means that someone gaslights you but but quote unquote like doesn't mean any harm or doesn't mean to or doesn't know they're doing it, which is like one of my major like pet peeves that when someone is talking to me about the way they're being treated and they're like, yeah, but they don't mean to do it they, <sighs> and they don't know. It's like it's like we have to investigate whether or not it's okay to treat someone poorly. Yeah. Even like – and like it makes it okay that you don't know that you're doing it. Like, yeah. why does that excuse it? Yeah. So I I thought that was really interesting. And um, it, she also kind of explores like how culturally we like socialize, but basically like a, it's like a culture of gaslighting. Kind yes. of she sort of exactly goes into, you yeah. know yeah. Um, and it's really good, and everyone should read it. Yeah, basically. And I I so I was originally going to talk about. I was going to talk about gaslighting um, generally and, like, the idea of paying attention to your instincts. Yes. And, like, how – what I was going to talk about, which I decided not to, but now I'm going to talk about it because here we are, is, like, if you – if there's someone who gives you a weird vibe, uh, either a, someone you know because you work with them or someone who's a friend or someone you listen to all the time – in some in whatever form or medium and they make you feel a way that feels sort of like weird or non-specifically off or creeped Mm -hmm. out or something you don't have to be able to articulate exactly why you feel that way you don't you don't have to be able to pinpoint what it is that is making you feel weird or that feels off you can just be like this person's giving me the creeps and mm-hmm. I don't want to be around it. And that's like a thing that, you know, they always tell you and like when they're telling women to like <laughs> avoid being raped. Yeah. They tell you that if like there's a dude around you and he's giving you like a weird vibe, you should pay attention to your instincts. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing with like people you interact with. And it can be like people you interact with like every single day. It can be people who like you don't know but you engage with or experience like in the media, if there's something about them that feels like off, like Mm -hmm. you don't have to engage with them. And I was just thinking about that because I was talking with a friend about famous men Mm -hmm. who seem awesome and progressive, but there's something like kind of unsafe about them. They talk about something too much or they go places and you're like, oh, huh. Or even the way they talk about yeah, I mean, whatever. It's like a whole thing. But they're, like, yeah, but just like something is off. Like, if you think that, you're probably right. Mm-hmm. You know, pay attention to the instinct. Anyway, so and then I wanted to tie that into gaslighting. So yeah, 
Here we are. Yeah, no, sorry. I didn't mean no, to. No, 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 it's great. It's great. Um, yeah, no, for me, it was actually very empowering, like trigger warnings all over the place about the article because it gives examples. But um, for me, I felt empowered after reading it. Like, yeah, I was right. I yeah, really totally. need to trust my instincts. So definitely check it out. We'll put a link to it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll link to it. it. Sure. Cool. So um, a thing we did a for self-care. A thing we did. We do need a jingle. Yeah. Marty. I was sort of hoping you you'd jump in uh, with that. I'm too embarrassed. It's okay. All right. Got it. Okay. So. Um, I'll go. Have you seen Pete's Dragon? No. Okay. Is it it's, a cartoon? It's a, well, it's a live action Disney movie from 1977, but there is a dragon that is animated. So it's kind of animated. Yeah. I love it. It's with Helen Reddy, Mickey Rooney, Red Buttons, mm-hmm. Jim Dale, <laughs> cast of, cast of thousands. And it's this musical that I grew up watching mm-hmm. and we owned it on VHS and I, I wore it out. I mean, I watched it so much. Mm-hmm. And it keeps coming up in my life because um, my brother loves the movie and we talk about it sometimes. And I've just been thinking about it a lot lately. So I decided to buy the DVD. Mm-hmm. It arrived on Sunday. <laughs> and I was like, I need to watch this. I need to be alone. I need to like experience this. So my girlfriend was out for the day mm-hmm. and I was like, perfect. Mm-hmm. This is like me, quality time with these dragons. It started and I was like sobbing. It's like, it's such a sweet story. There's some problematic stuff. I'm just going to tell you right now. 1977, like, it is a kid's movie with, like, a gay joke and some kind of weird, like, misogyny stuff. But very minimal, very minimal. (laughs) And um, it's just, it's a really, really, really sweet story. And the thing that's so cool about watching a movie, or I guess it would be, like, experiencing any media that you experienced so much and so exhaustively like many years ago because I haven't seen it in like 25 Mm -hmm. years at least Mm -hmm. is like it came flooding back to me not just like the words of the songs and the dialogue but like the textures of things on the screen and like little moments like microscopic moments like I that it is like in it is like in my DNA that movie you know what I mean yes and it was just such a cool moment to just like just be alone be by myself re-experience this this thing and it was it, it was like a weirdly intense thing to just like be doing this childhood thing all over again mm. i would also recommend everyone watch pete's dragon I, i'm going to do that immediately it's yeah so good. i had a moment like that recently for me my moment is uh garfield the the, the cartoon yeah garfield. yeah yeah uh his special show garfield in the rough his first special in 82 i believe and there's a song at the end spoiler Odie is in the the what's it called the um dog catcher's pound and okay. it's about to be killed Oh, I think about to be euthanized, actually. Wow. And that's the thing. And um, Garfield can't help him. So that song comes on called So Long, Old Friend. So, yeah. Oh, my God. And they touch pause the last time. And then, like, they're no. pa- – Yeah, so I Googled that specifically because I wanted to watch it. And I, like, sobbed everywhere. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait, does Odie get put down? Yes, he does. No. no. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. He was almost – Garfield saves him. Oh, guys, Garfield. I didn't want to give it away. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah, it was one of the many specials. Odie was definitely alive during the Christmas special afterwards. Okay. Yeah. I've never seen – I used to collect – remember those rectangular books, the Garfield books? I have all of them, Sally. You- I'm the biggest Garfield fan in the world. Oh, my God. I'm sleeping over. No I-, I collected them as a kid. Oh, I'm Wait, pointing. Yes. Catherine's I I, pointing. I hope I didn't get rid of them the in the uh, purge. Oh, my God. I have so many of them. Oh, my God. Ugh. Please join us after this episode for a live reading of oh all of Catherine's Garfield books. Yeah. I'm I did so a psyched. purge recently. I don't know if I got rid of them, but I think I definitely have a few. At least my first one. Fingers crossed. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, uh, ah, yeah, a thing I did. <laughs> Sorry to co-op that, but um, 
yeah, my computer, I'm still buying a new one eventually. I need a new one because I edit a lot on this. Mm-hmm. And the company's going great and I have a lot of jobs and it's awesome. But my back's been hurting and mm. I have to see a physical therapist. Right. And I had to get a shot before I went to Ireland. And I came back and I had a really big long day of editing and I, my back hurt again. I was like, ah, but I really need to do this. This is now my job. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I felt my computer and it was overheating. It was um, hot to the touch, which happens sometimes with old yeah. computers. And I realized like, I got to listen to my computer. It's tired. It needs a timeout. I've not given myself a break. And I realized mm. I'm my own boss. I need to give myself breaks and force myself to like take time away from editing. So I know I should have learned that when I was younger, but uh, yeah. I was really big of you guys. I no, like, that's a prophecy. No, that's amazing. Computer. We should talk about that sometime on like a bonus episode is like, like when you manage your own time, like how when you're your you own boss, it? how you manage your time. Yeah. Because I don't know. Yeah, I just gave myself a deadline that I was trying to hit instead of taking care of myself and taking breaks. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. more breaks for me. Okay, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So we got some feedback. We did. This is from May. Yeah. Um, and we've we've kind of talked about this a lot, but I figure you can never talk about it too much, so mm-hmm. I included it. I don't think we read this yet. Nope. Um, hi, Kate and Sally. So I've been catching up on the show, which is awesome, by the way. And I just listened to the part of episode 46 where you guys talk about that New York Times article, the listener's email feedback, and policing people's speech in general. I know this is way after the fact, and I bet you've heard this from a lot of people already, but I just wanted to say that I really appreciated hearing what you had to say about it. For a long time, I've been hyper aware of how I speak. I'm one of those people who's internalized the extensive and often contradictory rules about how to speak syntax-wise and what qualifies as worth saying content-wise, to the extent that sometimes I just don't say anything at all. It can be pretty paralyzing and is definitely tied into my overall mental health and self-confidence. This is something that I've been working on a lot lately, and it's getting better. But it's really great and helpful to hear people whose judgment I respect call bullshit about it publicly. I especially liked Catherine's point about how we all know it's rude to point out a person's physical flaws, but somehow people think still think it's okay to pick apart someone's language habits. Also, this seemed relevant, I spend a good chunk of my time every week transcribing audio files, which is a process that involves a lot of adjusting for people's vocal tics, false starts, filler words, etc. One thing I've learned from this is that everyone has vocal tics. It seems to just be a fact about humans speaking out loud. So yeah, maybe we should all just lay off each other about it. Anyway, just wanted to say thanks and you rock. Love the show. Yeah, I could talk about that for days. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Thank you so much for that because I'm so sick and tired of all of these freaking... Uh, articles of women taking each other, you know, seriously in the workplace need to do this and women need to do that. And it's like, where's the article about how men can be taken seriously in the workplace? What are they doing wrong? Because I'm telling you right now, they're doing something wrong. (laughs) If they can't hear you when you speak to them. Yeah, no shit. Like what if this person you're speaking to has a a stutter or an accent? Mm -hmm. Are you really telling me you don't have the capacity to sit down and be like, well, it's my job to understand what they're saying, so I need to do a little bit of work on right, my end. Right, Not possible. Not possible. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't be running meetings then. Right. Yeah. No, I love this part about – I loved um, how this person talked about um, transcribing audio and how there's so m- – I, I remember doing that in college too for a project, and I remember being shocked at how much of speech is just all – like people stopping and starting or mm-hmm. saying like or saying um or whatever. And it's just holders. Yeah. Or what? Yeah, placeholders. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it just reminds you that everyone has a lot of tech, so everyone just fucking be cool about yeah, it. Yeah, just right? be cool to just each be other. Cool, yeah. guys. All right. Okay. Let's get to the first email. So they need a name. Yes. They, they want she, her pronouns, um, and a trigger warning for suicide. Um, can we do Garfield? Can we do a Garfield name? Yes. 
Uh, normal. Oh my god, I was gonna say normal. Stop it. Oh Stop my god, it. it's okay, destiny. Sally, I, just when I think I love you so much, you make me better. love you more. I don't understand better. how it's possible. Whatever. Um, <clears throat> Dear Catherine and Sally, hi. I'm not really sure how to start this, so I'll just jump in. A fake name would be great. I use she/her pronouns. Some very condensed background information. Last year, July 4th to be exact, someone very close to me died by suicide. I know that I shouldn't have, but I felt incredibly guilty for a very long time. Just shy of two months after it happened, I moved away from my first year of college. I immediately started seeing a counselor at the school. I had no control over my emotions and was frequently surprised by panic attacks and seemingly endless crying and grief for months. It sucked. I have never felt so terrible in my life and never want to feel that way ever again. I'm worried about this upcoming anniversary, about anything really that could possibly send me back over the edge. A part of me feels like that wouldn't happen. I've been working really hard on self-care and have been doing much better overall, but I'm so scared of going back to that place where I was. My roommate, good friend's mom, just texted me inviting me to Portland, Oregon for a birthday surprise for her daughter. Her birthday is on July 4th, the big anniversary. I would love to go. I love my roommate and have always wanted to visit Portland. But it's also 2,900 miles away on the day. I don't know if I can handle, one, celebrating on that day, two, being so far away. The last thing I would want is to travel all that way and then ruin my friend's birthday because of what happened and what I'm struggling with. I don't want this to have as much of an impact on me as it has had. Will I never be able to celebrate my friend's birthday because it just happens to fall on the same day as this other event in my life? I know that it's only been a year, but can I move forward with my life? Sometimes it doesn't feel like I'll ever be able to or that I should be able to, and that frightens me too. Thank you for your time and your help. Best, normal. Uh, P.S. I plan on returning to therapy when I return to school in August. So cool. Yeah. Okay. Normal. Uh, first of all, you've definitely made a decision and done one thing or the other by now because July Fourth weekend just happened. So sorry that we're getting to this so late. Um, I think that you asked, "Will I never be able to celebrate my friend's birthday because it just happens to fall on the same day as this other event?" And I guess, like, you know, and you and you said, "I know it's only been a year." But can you move forward? And I think, you know, I think a year is not really that much time after suffering such a loss. Um, And one thing that I think about sometimes when I'm really going through something and I'm like, man, I don't remember a time that I was ever happy or felt okay. I'm probably going to feel like this forever. But really, there was a time when I felt okay and I won't feel like this forever. And it's really hard to remember that you're in a moment but you are, and this moment might be like, it might be a long moment. Like you might not be okay during July 4th weekend for like several years, you know what I mean? But like, I kind of doubt that like for the rest of your life, this weekend will be so loaded and fraught and heavy that you won't be able to like, you know, do anything else. Yeah. Right. What do you think? Yes, absolutely. I uh, I totally agree. A year is not a very long time. Um, I wouldn't push yourself, obviously, this day already passed, but if you're going to be worrying about what may happen five, 10 years from now, that's you're being too hard on yourself. Like right now, you need to take care of you. And I'm sure your friend will understand. Now, on the flip side, some people do advocate that being um, distracted, quote unquote, on that day kind of helps. And there are times where I go to parties when I'm in a bad mood or something bad's happened and I, I have a good time and mm-hmm. I remember like sure. the good times. So there's nothing wrong with being like, maybe I should do this. But it sounds to me like you are very sad still mm-hmm. and still not able to really um, be celebrating someone else's thing at this moment. So that's okay. Be kind to yourself. But 
uh, as Sally said, it's going to take a while and it's really good you're going to therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm one of those people that part of my OCD is I remember dates obsessively. I remember exactly what happened on what date, usually bad stuff. And um, it was hard for me to even be a year later with those little things Mm -hmm. and have it not be as traumatizing as suicide is. So um, I do understand. And, you know, the 4th of July is obviously a very big day and memorable and all those things. But do what's best for you. If you want to be home and alone, do that. You might want to have a struggle buddy on backup Mm -hmm. in case you need to call somebody. Um, Definitely would help, I think, for you to share this with one person to have. Uh, But as far as traveling, I mean, I mean, first of all, I'm just thinking about airplanes, but um, (laughs) it might be too much for you to do uh, under the circumstances. And don't be hard on yourself and your friends will understand. And it will get... It never goes away, but it gets a little bit easier, Mm -hmm. I guess, is the best thing. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, taking a 3,000 mile trip to celebrate a birthday, that is like a really huge ask of yourself on a day that has all these other memories and connotations. I mean, I think it would even be I think it would even be something to think through if you were just like, can I even like go out to dinner with my friends that night? Mm-hmm. I mean, because even if you couldn't do that, I, I think that would make a lot of sense. But to, you know, not be able to like get it together to go on like a big trip and then celebrate with a bunch of people away from your home. That's a heavy fucking lift yeah. when you're going through something. So definitely be easy on yourself. And the other thing I would say is just that like when you have a really good friend, they, you know, if if you decide like next year, for example, that you're like, I think I can do this. I'm going to give it a try. Mm-hmm. And you do something like this and then it doesn't work out and you feel like shit or whatever, whoever you're with, like if they're a really good friend, they're going to be like, dude, I get it. No problem. Whatever. Like, so just remember that if you have people in your life that care about you, they're going to let you, you know, test drive you know, figuring out this weekend. Yeah. And I'm also looking at, um, but can I move forward with my life? Sometimes it doesn't feel like I'll ever be able to, or that I should be able to. And that frightens me too. I might be reading this wrong, but I think it's saying that the thought of getting through it and actually being able to celebrate on this day is frightening. Would you read it like that? Do you think? Or yeah, maybe I think, cause I, I know, um, people have mentioned obviously the survivor's guilt mm-hmm. and that's intense. And, mm-hmm. um, you feel guilty that you are able to get better. Yeah, and then you're yeah, like, I totally. feel better and now I'm guilty. So, yeah. you know, but I think the best thing to remember is you never ever have to forget this day and the impact it had on you at all. You don't have to forget it. Um, just try to think of a way in which you can get through it. And at some point, if you feel comfortable celebrating their life in your own way and what they mean to you and what they've shared with you while they were uh, yeah. um, here. So. And I think also like when you're going through something terrible, every minute feels like a fucking eternity so I feel like a year probably feels like a decade but just keep in mind that like in terms of like healing and like recovering and processing a year is like not very much time at all you're like at the beginning of your of your journey so you know give yourself like way more time yeah yeah so let us know normal yeah keep in touch normal and congratulations on getting the best name we've ever given someone yeah I'm kind of (laughs) a little bit jealous I'm like I want to be normal and I'm on the show (laughs) get right into our own show to get a cool name Oh, this person wants a name from Adventure Time. Yeah. I, do you watch that? No. I don't either. I was just looking it up to see if I could find it. Oh, um, oh, okay. And another trigger warning for suicide. Another suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Adventure Time. It's on Cartoon Network. That's oh, what I right. have so far. Is it still on now or is it an old show? I don't know. Huh. I'm having problems finding 
facts about Adventure Time, which I should have done before. I should have looked this up too, but um, I was uh, on a train on the way back. Right. You have a good excuse. I I, you were at work. Okay, characters. Here we go. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm just going to say this right now. There's a character called Ice King. Oh my God. That's pretty rad. This is the best day ever. It, yeah, we're like two for two with like awesome names. Ice King. Okay, so this email is from Ice King. All right. Dear Kate, dear Sally, I'm a 25 year old transmasculine person that struggles with depression and anxiety. I've been having a hard time lately. It's summertime and it feels like the sun is shining everywhere except on my life. Bear with me, please. I have a feeling this is going to end up a long ride. When I was 10 years old, my cousin died by suicide on my birthday, and within the same month, my parents went through a divorce. I'm the youngest of four, and there's a pretty significant age gap between myself and my siblings. Accidents happen, lol. My family isn't very close, and we don't communicate very well with each other due to the emotional, verbal, and occasionally, but not very often, physical abuse we endured from our father. Excellence was expected, and there was very little affirmation. My mother is very loving, but she is incredibly passive and lonely. After the divorce, she went into a depression of her own and pretty much ceased to be a functional parent with authority. In school, I was bullied and struggled to have friends up until my junior, senior year of high school and then really struggled again in college. I ended up having to drop out of college due to bad grades. I was at a very low point with my depression. Throw all this together with dealing with trying to be accepted by society and suffering through microaggressions from family due to my gender identity, and you get a sad guy with low self-esteem and a real struggle with self-worth that feels deeply but has trouble opening up and being truly vulnerable with people. I was also sexually assaulted back in December by someone that I had considered a friend, and that really hasn't helped with that. Now to the point of my email. Again, I'm 25, and I've never been in a serious relationship. While I am just fine and even enjoy being single, I have a real desire for a partner. I've had many casual relationships and nothing has stuck. I fell in love with someone at one point, but she ended up moving across the country to be with her family. It's come to the point where I believe I will spend my life alone. I know that I'm young and I probably haven't met the right person yet, but whatever. People say things like that to me all the time. It doesn't change how I feel about myself. I have been in therapy for over two years. I have a great support system and community, and I'm trying to work on these issues myself. Now, the thing is, I have feelings for my friend. We met two years ago through a high school friend of mine. They are in a band together, and through spending time hanging out and going to their shows to support, I have become very close friends to them and even do photography work for them. Our relationship has always been flirtatious, and it's clear that we are at least physically attracted to each other. We usually go out drinking together, and then we part ways, and due to the alcohol, I feel courageous enough to text her about it. She has agreed that there's chemistry between us, but the conversations usually end up with her dismissing me because I am drunk. However, this has happened so many times, she must know that these are my true feelings. She has also said things like, I'm too young, she's almost seven years older than me, and that she's into people older than her, that she cares a lot about our friendship and doesn't want to lose that, or she'll say vague, ominous things like, I'm trouble. Any rational person would accept these reasons and try to move on with their lives, but something tells me that these aren't the real reasons. Our relationship continues to be flirtatious, and we have been opening up to each other more recently. I care very deeply for her, and she has a bad habit of choosing people that turn out to treat her like garbage. So I guess my question is, what do I do? I've been thinking about writing her a letter about how I feel. Is this a good idea? Is it personal enough? I feel like if you have real feelings for someone, you should be able to say that to their face without the help of alcohol or anything else, but due to my upbringing, I really struggle with verbalizing my feelings, particularly when they are romantic. 
Am I being ridiculous? Should I just drop it since she has seemingly tried to deter me? If I write a letter, what do I even say? How do I go about giving her the letter? Any advice and perspective you can provide would be most appreciated. Thank you for your time and patience in reading this novel, Ice King. Uh, Ice King. Um, first of all, don't don't write the letter. Um, you might want to actually. This is a great exercise. Write the letter to yourself. You know what you want to say to her, but also know that you can't. And here's here's why I'm going to take a, a definitive stance here. She knows how you feel, um, and I I'm sure she's a good friend of yours. Uh, I think you need to really ask yourself what you want out of this relationship with her. Do you want to date her? And if so. You know, she's already said not interested. Would it be too hard for you to be friends with this person knowing that they're going to date other people? Because that's rough, too. I think you need to look at what you really want right now and how you can go about that. Uh, That said, real quick, someone who's been on the other end of this receiving of the letter, myself, nothing feels fucking shittier than someone explaining to you that because of your daddy issues, that's why I'm not attracted to them. And I'm not saying that's what you would say to her, but I think there was some talk of, um, you know, uh, expressing feelings, all those things. Something tells me these aren't the real reasons. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? If she liked you in that way, you'd know. Sally? Yeah, I mean, I think that... um... She has made it pretty clear that she doesn't want to date you. And it sounds like she's given you some pretty like some reasons that sound pretty legit, like she cares about the friendship and stuff like that. Um, And then some other things that sound a little bit more like they're about her, like, quote unquote, I'm trouble. But I think Catherine's really right that like, you know, it's not your job to tell this person what she's really feeling or even like let her know that she's expressing something other than what she really feels. For one thing, maybe she's doing it intentionally because she doesn't really want to get into it with you because she thinks it'll spare your feelings. But also, like, I think it's just, like, I think it's not cool to, like, tell people what they're feeling, basically. Or to, like, tell people, hey, like, I know you think you're feeling this, but I think you're feeling another thing. So I would definitely not do that. Um I think that the like more relevant thing is to think about what it is about this interaction that you're so hung up on because now you're in this pattern where you're getting drunk with someone and flirting with them, declaring your feelings for them, being rejected, and then doing it over and over and over. And you know the, the way that human beings are is that we flirt with each other even when we have no intention of getting together with the other person. We flirt with the other person even when we know that they like us and we probably shouldn't. We get drunk and we send texts even though we know it's not going anywhere. So, you know, sometimes, of course, like when someone gets drunk and like texts you or flirts with you, it means they like want to be with you. But in this case, like you've you've tried to explore that. You've gone down that path and she's saying no. So I think like for my money, what what is worth like paying attention to about yourself is like what's happening that this dynamic is like one that you want to be in and that you're actually considering like taking to the next level by like writing her a letter. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that it's good that you're in therapy and you have a great support system and great friends. I guess my only other thing would be, like I said in the very beginning, do you want to just be friends with her? Because that it's going to be hard to be just friends with her if she has a boyfriend all of a sudden, you know what I mean? So um, I think just think about that and taking care of yourself and your own feelings and know that, uh, you know, maybe it's okay to take a step back and not hang out with this person as much. Mm-hmm. Just to get over the, I know what it feels like to be like, oh my God, I'm totally in love with this person. I can't get over it. Distance and time and and all that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So. And also I think if you feel like, you know, you can't 
let it go without like trying to discuss the state of your friendship with her. I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with writing a letter where that's more about clear clearing the air between you two, like if things have gotten awkward and maybe like um you know, establishing boundaries for the friendship you're going to have going forward. I don't think that is a bad idea. If like that's a letter you want to write, I think the letter I would discourage you from writing is the one where you once again like push the relationship thing. Um and I think uh, the other thing, too, is like I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're 25. You're going to meet someone and like you're not going to be alone forever forever because you said people have said that to you and it doesn't matter. You still feel the way you feel. But um, I think that like it's not uncommon to have relationships that you really, really, really want to work out, not work out. Just because that one doesn't work out, it doesn't mean there's not going to be another one coming along soon. Mm-hmm. And, you know – 25 years is a long time to be alive, but it's also like no time at all, especially when you consider the fact that you probably only started like actively dating like recently. So like I think that, you know, if this were like decades and decades and decades on and you were like, I've been alone. I'm 75 and I've been alone since I was 18. I I might die alone. I would be like, you might die alone. (laughs) You know what I mean? But actually, even then at 75, I don't think I think I think no, totally. I think like you would have to be like in your late 80s, early. I'm going to say mid 90s before I would really say you're in die alone. 98. So 98, 99 even. So what I'm saying, I mean, if you don't smoke and don't drink, maybe 100. Who knows? So what I'm saying basically is like relax, Mm -hmm. be patient. Mm -hmm. You're in therapy, which is amazing. And it's going to come together, even though it feels like it's it's taking too long and it it sucks to be single. You also said you're enjoying being single. So that's pretty cool. So enjoy that. Relax. And you know what? Enjoy the fact that you're not getting involved in a relationship that started out with like drunken texts Good point. and flirtations and like weird feelings that weren't reciprocated. Yeah, there's a saying and I, I found it to be true even when I don't want it to be is you're in the relationship you want to be in. Mm. And when I was in a relationship with someone years ago, he didn't want to settle down or get married, have move in. I should have been like, OK, that's not what I want. But for some reason, I was comfortable being in that. And as Sally said, which just reminded me of this, there's nothing wrong with maybe maybe you aren't ready for another step. Maybe it is. This is nice for now. This mm. is good for now. But, you know. Always respect what the other person is telling you about whether or not they want to be in a relationship. I think that's just like a really good rule in general. Yeah. Well, you sound awesome, Ice King. Uh, let us know because Ice King also said in the PS, can I read this? Oh, yeah. I meant, was, to, I meant to read that. Sorry. Yeah. No, this is so nice. It actually made me feel so good because, you know, the world is full of a lot of things and I love doing this show and I love Ditto. working with you. And, and Same. So this is what it said. P.S. I've been listening to the podcast for several months now and I can't real and I really can't properly articulate how much I love the podcast. But, you know, here I am trying. I deeply appreciate the two of you. The work and love you put into the podcast is seen and greatly valued. Thank you so much. Ice King. Thank you. You're amazing. There's times where I need to hear that. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That made my day to the point where we – oftentimes we edit out the things people say that are really complimentary when they open their emails with a lot of compliments just because we want to not seem like we're, I don't know, adding in too much like pat ourselves in the back stuff. But this was so awesome and generous and wonderful that uh, I kept it in but then totally forgot to read it. So thank you. (laughs) No, so that was really nice. All right. So this is uh, from a chosen name. Bellatrix? Bellatrix. Am I, am I saying it correctly? Yeah, yeah, you sure What's are. It's, from? She's a Harry Potter character. She's like an oh. amazing Harry Potter uh, villain. Right, right. Okay. Hi, Kate and Sally. Here's my dilemma. 
I am in sales. I have been with my company for three years and about a year ago moved from being the team's coordinator to a sales team member. During my coordinator role, I had one team member that I just did not get along with. She wanted me to do everything she didn't feel like doing or felt was below her. Well, that was not a part of my role. And to do that work for the 21 team members I coordinated for would just be impossible. So she decided to hate me. Anyway, I took the sales role and everything was great until they changed not only my manager, but also changed the territories. And I ended up with some of her old territory and some of her customers. Since then, she has moved on to another role as well. She has legit done everything in her power to undermine me and make me look bad to not only my customers, but also to as many people within the community as possible. I am fighting a constant battle of someone trying to make it impossible to do my job. My numbers are good, and I am known by my coworkers as someone they can rely on to get things done and done in a timely manner. So if you have any ideas about dealing with her, I would love them. However, my main issue is about my manager. Side note, my current manager is a family friend. He was not my manager when I took this role, but it makes it difficult now that he was assigned to my area. He pulls the friend card fairly often and asks me to do work things for him or other people's territories late in the evening, as well as on my days off. He is using this friend thing to pull to full advantage, which would be fine if it worked both ways. However, when I bring this woman up to him, he is completely dismissive. He doesn't want to get involved in the drama, which I get, but it is keeping me from being able to successfully do my job. Every time I bring it up to him, he says I am overreacting and that I need to not let her get to me. Every other coworker I've spoken to, I purposefully went to a guy that has a really smart head on his shoulders and gives great advice, sees that what she is doing is 100% on purpose and that she is being passive aggressive. Although this week she switched from being passive aggressive to just straight aggressive. My manager said I was still said I was overreacting. I feel like there's no point in going to HR because they are useless, but I don't know what else to do. It's really infuriating that my manager won't back me up and help the situation. I feel like I'm constantly supposed to just deal with it and continue on my job and do the best I can, all while killing her with kindness. But she's making it so upper management doesn't see the impressive things I do. At the end of the day, upper management doesn't look at the little day-to-day -day things. They look at the brag book that she's in charge of putting together. So shocker, guess who isn't making that book? Sorry, this is so long. Any ideas of dealing with not only her, though I think there really is just no way to deal with her on a one-on-one -on -one basis. She is just too far gone in her desire to fuck me over, but mainly, how do I deal with my manager? I seriously reached a point today where I just wanted to go off on someone and let the company fire me so I could get an employment. I am working on my resume to start job searching, but any ideas for the time being? I have turned from being a generally happy and content employee to wanting to put my head through the wall. Thanks, Bellatrix. Wow. Wow, Bellatrix. Um, Talk about gaslighting. I eh? mean, I guess. I mean, I... I'm going to be honest with you right now and say that when people tell me situations in which, someone, in which someone is like out to get them and which there's a person who's like trying to undermine every single thing they do, something about it, I, I want like more info because I feel like it that is such a specific kind of villainy that for it to happen – just like randomly, there's just like someone at work isn't like you. So now she's trying to ruin your life. Something about that doesn't like connect for me. Um, so I guess like I'm just saying that to preface everything else I'm going to say, um, because I think that 
there's a lot of stuff that you could do. Maybe I, I don't I don't totally understand like what the situation is with this person that she's trying to like ruin your career. Mm-hmm. Um, so perhaps if that's the case, you can't talk to her. Um, but is there any way that you can have a mediated conversation with her, with someone from HR? Although you said HR is useless. I mean, I, I, I always think it, going to HR is good because even if they can't solve the problem, they start like documenting things that need to be documented. So I would I actually would start there. Um, but like everything here, like I guess like my overall thing is like everything feels like very like the boundaries are all like mixed up and I don't. something just feels like I mean is your workplace totally boundaryless where you have a manager who's also your friend who's like demanding you work late and you're not able to say no I can't and then there's this woman who is a villain and everyone knows she's undermining you but she can't be stopped like if that's the case I feel like your workplace is a mess and you shouldn't work there Mm -hmm. um so I guess those are my opening thoughts yeah on the flip side I have been in a situation where someone is I don't want to say out to get people but she was just the worst Mm -hmm. and trying to make herself look good she made me do jobs that were her jobs and she took all the credit and it was a smaller company so there was no HR but I made it very clear to my boss my feelings and she disagreed with me but she said thank you for the input and I felt more comfortable knowing that my job was secure and that my boss Mm -hmm. took me seriously and that it was on the record Mm -hmm. I eventually left the job but I wanted to know I wanted them to know that this was happening. And, you know, it sucked. HR, I totally agree. Sally um, nailed it because it may not resolve anything, but at least there's a record. Mm -hmm. So if this is true, and I I do agree, Sally, that probably who knows what's going on, but I I have been in work situations where it does Mm -hmm. feel like someone is, uh, for some reason, Mm -hmm. just kind of screwed over. It may not be because they're like, well, I'm an evil person. I'm just going to go out and try to ruin someone's life. No, it could be because they want to do better or want to get paid more Mm -hmm. or move up. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, As far as your boss, again, I say go to HR and also get out of there. That place is not managed well at all. It sounds really poorly managed. And I mean, Catherine, I think you're right. Like there totally can be someone who's like doing a thing where they're climbing the ladder or whatever and it's having such a negative effect on other people that it it feels like they're trying to undermine you. So I I totally get what you're saying. And I just to like clarify what I was saying, I wasn't trying to like call bullshit on Bellatrix and be like, none of this is happening. What's really going on? I was I was more trying to say that like when situations seem this boundaryless and someone it seems like someone is out to get you with this much like um like deviousness um i just feel like something larger is amiss and it could be worth not working there at all especially if your if your manager isn't going to like stick up for you and and that i think if you can't go to hr about this person who's trying to undermine you maybe you can go to hr about your manager yeah is that a thing yeah actually yeah it is i used to work in hr a long time ago for like two years oh my Mm -hmm. gosh and um yeah absolutely that's what hr is there for they want you to tell them stuff if they can do anything about it because either way it's not a healthy work environment how about that either way you're upset and your boss is saying you're overreacting which by the way you should never tell anyone ever because they're reacting so yeah it insinuates that they are like something's wrong with them, totally. which is why I said the gaslighting thing, because I feel that yeah, no yeah. matter what's happening, that's true. I agree. The boss shouldn't say you're overreacting. No, totally. The boss should sit you down and be like, this is what you're doing wrong. You know? Yeah. The boss seems like completely out of bounds because he's asking you, like you said, to do all these things that are like, I think you said, like he was asking you to like stay late and he's using this friend thing to his full advantage, with, which would be fine if it worked both ways, yeah. which like I don't actually even think it's fine. Like no. I, I don't I don't like 
I understand that sometimes like you end up being managed by a friend or you manage a friend like we've all been there. But like if you're good at what you do and like you take it seriously and you respect the people around you, like you, you actually figure out a way to treat everyone the way they're supposed to be treated in a professional situation. So I think that uh, maybe – can you talk to him? Is Is there a way that you can have a conversation with him where it's like – you know, outside of an incident that happens with this this person, it's just like its own conversation about like you your position at the company and like your relationship with him and like mm-hmm. so that kind of a check in kind of a conversation. Absolutely, Maybe? yes, I don't it know. is. And uh, office politics, it exists and it sucks and it feels childish, but this does happen everywhere. I will tell you, it's weird, you know. Um, and I and HR, that's what they're there for. And I I know it might feel like they're going to fire you or whatever. Definitely start looking for another job. Either way, they're not doing anything right at this place. Yeah. And if you don't enjoy it, either you know, extra bonus. But um. Yeah, even if you plan on leaving, I say tell HR just so they know. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's somebody in that office that really loves the team and wants it to better. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you know what? I didn't realize he was doing this totally. to you. And that's why you're burning out or that's why you're upset, you know? Yeah. So always talk to HR if you think it might help a little bit. I also think there's sometimes – like I've gone to HR before being like, well, this isn't going to do anything. But let me just get this on the record because that's kind of my responsibility as like a person in this company to like make this issue known. Mm-hmm. And, and I've – and like the HR person has said back to me, you know, you're actually like uh, several people before you have had the same complaint. This actually really helps us. Um, it's good to hear this feedback. Thank you. And I can't really tell you what we're going to do, but like this will help us take action. Right. So like that's the thing too. Like you never know, you know, if you're going to help like move, you know, push the envelope a little further along. Yeah. Even if it feels uh, sucky. You yeah. never know. Um, all right. Well, let us know. Bellatrix. Good luck, Bellatrix. So – that's it. Oh my. Oh my god. I feel like we've gone on another vacation, but I just I know. got back from the train station. It does feel so really long. It does. Why? It's been a It's only week. been a week. I know. I don't know. Well, we missed you. Maybe because it's nighttime. Yeah, we did yeah, miss you. Yeah, yeah, big time. So you can always tweet at us at strugglebuspod. Um use the hashtag strugglebod struggle pod buds 420 to find a struggle buddy uh instagram.com slash the struggle bus pod we uh post some photos you might like and email us all of your questions at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com or tweet at sally t or me at spk heller and if you'd like to join the private struggle buddies facebook group email us and put in the subject line that you want to be a part of the group and give us the email that you use to log into facebook and don't facebook message us because we might not get it um yeah, and there's a lot of support happening. One more time for the people in the group, honestly. Yeah, the group. Well you done. people are amazing. Yeah, super supportive. So, oh, so I have the song of the week. Yeah. I'm very excited. I love this song, and I did Google to make sure it wasn't about what it seems to be about, but what I thought it was about, and I'm right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Belle and Sebastian. Okay. Obviously. <laughs> I fought in a war. Okay, I don't know it. All right. I love it because it talks about feeling like you've been in battle. And this is in no way to say the people who have been in war like any parallel to this. But it feels like when you're in love with someone that you've been put through the ringer sometimes Mm -hmm. and sort of what's the aftermath of war. But what I really liked about this song is the way it opens. And it's uh, I fought in a war and I left my friends behind me. And it goes into about when you really get into somebody for the first time all you want to do is hang out with them you kind of sometimes don't call your friends as much as you want to and then sometimes in my case you get into a bad relationship and then you realize I need to reach out to my friends Mm. I've been kind of like seeing things a different way so this song is about jumping into something and 
thinking you could do it alone and then you can't do it alone. And it turns out you need your friends. It's highly relatable yeah. from what you just described. And it's also a really beautiful song. So awesome. we'll play you a snippet and a link to it on our website, strugglebuspodcast.com. Sounds right to me. What? All right. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thanks, I'm guys. Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye. In a while, and I left my friends behind me to go looking for the enemy, and it wasn't very long before I found out that the sickness there ahead of me went beyond the bed's infamy of attack had gone before.